What's up, everybody? Before we get into today's episode, I just want to give a little warning. We're going to be talking about some true life crimes, some uh, murder, some dismemberment, things of that nature. So if you're uh, sensitive to this material or find it offensive, then you might want to skip this episode of the podcast. If not, then let's get into it. Welcome everybody to the Nerdpool Podcast, the podcast where we talk pop culture, pro wrestling, and everything else that's on my mind. So sit back, grab your snack, and listen in as I rant and rave about everything we know and love. What's up, all you ghouls and goblins out there? Welcome to another episode of the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. It's a J-M-I-E. You're 666. Oh, I went there. Favorite podcast host. And as always, your shirt butt down the road of spooky and supernatural. And I'll stop with the accent. Okay, um, welcome to the last episode of the Halloween season, the Halloween month. We're releasing this on Halloween. I had planned for guests and and it was going to be big, my first big Halloween special. And unfortunately, my friends, all you ghouls and goblins, all you chimichangas and tacos, I contracted the COVID. That's right. The pandemic has hit your boy. That's the reason last week I did not be- release an episode. I apologize for that. I just was not feeling up to it. I'm feeling better now. And I'm still going to release one because I wanted the Halloween episode to happen. So today's episode, we are going to be talking about true life events that inspired some of the best horror movies ever and just some horror movies in general. Because the biggest part about a horror film isn't always that all the gore or even just the jump scares. It's the ones that you know are based on true events. They might not be specifically the exact story, but they're based on that story. And sometimes that is the scariest part is knowing that things like this actually happen. True life actually happens out there. There's really scary events, real people that inspire some of the killers and some of the horror that we actually know. So we're going to jump right in. I'm not going to be going into a lot of detail on some of them. This is going to be quick, but I just wanted to mention some of these because I think that they're just so, so fascinating to actually be true and to have inspired some of the things we know and love. Starting off, I'm going to be starting with The Hills Have Eyes. If you've never seen the 1970s Hills Have Eyes, Wes Craven produced, it's about a family that is on a trip to California. They get they take a shortcut down a desert road, a deserted road, and end up getting trapped and stalked and murdered and eaten by a inbred clan that was there in the woods during um, nuclear tests. And they have become they just become inbred. They become deformed. And it's a truly terrifying film. There's parts of it that, that really just hit your core. Um, they did a remake in the early 2000s, which was really well done, really great. And it's, it's a truly terrifying film. Now, this is actually based on a Scottish legend of the Sawyer Bean clan, who Sawyer Bean and his wife one day decided that they wanted to get away from the world around them. They wanted to get away from the Irish land. They wanted to, or they wanted to get away from just people in general. So they found a cave on the coast, moved into the cave, and actually started having kids. Um, they started having kids with their kids, which led to deformities, which led to you know uh, unintelligence and 
the way that they would survive originally is anybody backpacking uh, travelers from out of the state, out of country, whatever, coming through, they would rob them, they would kill them, they would eat their, you know, supplies or whatever. Well, eventually the clan got so big that they couldn't just steal supplies from the people coming through. So they started to actually eat the people that they were murdering, the people that they were killing. And this went on and on until finally a couple that they attacked actually got able, one of them got away and escaped. They went to the police. The police tracked them back to the cave and actually arrested the Sawyer Bean clan, and they were executed under the law for murder, uh, multiple murders, but they had racked up m multiple, multiple murders and cannibalism of eating these people, and The Hills Have Eyes is based on this true event. Now, when you go down that road, that is, that is terrifying. To think you could just be on your way on a vacation, and all of a sudden you're becoming dinner for some murderous clan that didn't want to be part of society anymore. You know, that's a truly terrifying, terrifying thing that could really that could really happen and it inspired one of the one of the I think most original and one of the scariest um, horror movies there are and one of the best done from Wes Craven who always seems to redo the genre speaking of Wes Craven another one of his horror movies an iconic horror movie that you all know and love the horizontal Christmas sweater having butter knife finger swiping man that terrorizes your dreams Freddy Krueger was actually based on a a real event that happened. Now, Freddy Krueger, as far as everybody knows, wasn't real. There might have been a Fred Krueger at some point, but this isn't based off Freddy Krueger. Actually, the idea for Freddy Krueger came from the in the late 70s, around 130 um, Southeast Asian men and had died in their sleep just for no reason. They were all healthy, no you know underlying causes. They just passed away. And this actually became a phenomenon. It was written about. You can go back. Um, the Los Angeles Times, I think, wrote about it. And this is where he got the idea of it from. And it became known as the Asian uh, Death Syndrome. In other countries, it had other names, but it all translated to Nightmare Death. I can't pronounce the words. Honestly, I'm not even going to try on these Philippine names. But... It was just an interesting phenomenon. Uh, nobody really knows what happened. The doctors speculate that just for whatever reason, the dreams had short-circuited their bodies and it, it had killed them. Well, this happening gave the idea for Wes Craven to make the character of Freddy Krueger, who, as we know, stalked the children of the townspeople that burned him alive in their dreams. And when he killed you in your dreams, you died in real life. Again, there's not much known about this, and it's just a small little concept, but it was it's truly a spooky thing to think that 130 people died in their sleep, and nobody knows why, nobody knows what it was, nobody really knows what happened, it just happened. Could Freddy Krueger have been real? We don't know. But I'm, it, it's a truly enigma that has happened, and we... And it inspired one of the greatest uh, horror movie icons of all time, one of the greatest horror movie franchises of all time. And it made Robert England a household name in the horror community and just in general. Moving on now to another horror movie icon that was inspired by a real-life situation that really happened. Now, this um, person I'm about to talk about has actually inspired multiple horror films. I mean... Um, from the one we're talking about, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, to Psycho, 
and just multiple others because of the the truly terrifying, the truly deranged aspects of of his life and what he did. And I mean, honestly, if you see a film based on somebody murdering someone, um, skinning them, wearing their suits, making their taking their body and making clothing or furniture out of it, it's based on this guy. And that is Ed Gein, who lived in Wisconsin in the 40s. Ed Gein lived with his mother. Ed Gein's mother passed away. Ed Gein lost his shit. He started murdering people. He was cutting women up. He was um, skinning them, wearing them as a suit, and pretending to be a woman, pretending to be his mother. He would pretend to be his mother by while wearing his mother's skin. This guy was truly deranged and he terrified people. When they arrested him and looked in his barn, they found people tied up and sliced open like a like a deer, like you were field dressing a deer or an animal that you had just hunted. Um, he is a truly terrifying man. He is in the folklore of the United States. He's one of the most infamous killers in the world, period. And he lived in a rural farm area. You know, he just lived by himself, and the man just lost it. He had furniture made out of human skin. He had um, utensils and forks and stuff made out of bone. And it was just a truly a terrifying sight. And this inspired not only um, Psycho and Norman Bates, who portrayed his mother and ran a hotel, would murder people, dressed as his mother, um, and inspired, like I said, Leatherface, which is one of the most iconic horror movie villains of all time. The Sawyer clan um, that would stalk people in a Texas town, they would abduct them, they would kill them, they would eat them, they would use their skin to make clothing, uh, they would use their bones to make furniture, to make utensils. This whole film, The Texas Chainsaw Mask, which is a classic piece of horror cinema and the fact that it's technically it's got an R rating but almost was a PG rating I mean there's very very little blood in it and a lot of the killing is actually left up to you and your mind it's a psychological terror and it was something different at that time that nobody had ever seen and again Leatherface was just so terrifying in his portrayal by the uh, late great Gunnar Hansen who spent weeks at a mental um, institution actually learning from people with learning disabilities how to actually portray someone who didn't have the mental capacity of a true adult and was the mental capacity of a five or six year old he went into that method acting and he portrayed it and he actually did the best job you could possibly do but this was all inspired by the horrific murder and story and tortures produ produced by uh, Ed Gein not Gein let me just say this. So many people are mispronouncing his name, and it annoys the hell out of me because, as far as I know, everybody knows it's Ed Gein. Uh, people call it Gain. People have called it Gain. And granted, I don't know the person, but everybody I know, everything I've ever read has said Gein. And the fact that people mispronounce it to try to be different, I guess, or they just don't know, it just it, it annoys me, and I don't know why to all in. And I'm sorry for going on this rant. But it just, it really does. Um, however, <laughs> moving on, he is one of the most terrifying men in real life history. And Leatherface is one of the most terrifying characters in horror movie and just in the genre of film in general.
So I had to put them on this list and talk about it a little bit just because he was inspired by such truly horrific events that actually took place. On to another event that took place in kind of the same realm, um, not as well known. A lot of you might not even know about it and know it inspired two films and maybe multiple others that were loosely based on it. But it was off the Phantom Slayer or the Phantom Killer during the uh, Texarkana Moonlight Murders that happened in 1946 in Texarkana. The, in this small town, there was eight attacks. There was five murders, all, produ all you know, produced by the same person. They all speculate had the same M.O., and then just stopped. It never happened again. Um, this became known as the town that dreaded sundown. All these attacks happened at night, so it got to a point for weeks that the Texarkana the residents would, um, at sundown, would go inside, they would lock their doors, they would arm themselves, and they would wait till daylight to come out again. Uh, it kept a whole town gripped in fear, and the killer was never caught. And I think that's one of the, the scariest parts, is that somebody did this and got away with it. No one was ever convicted of it. They don't know if he went to jail. They don't know if he died. They don't know if he just stopped. They don't know what the motive was. They don't know anything. They just know that it, it happened, and this was a true life event which inspired um, a movie that I don't know if a lot of people have seen or you might not have known uh, it's the town that dreaded sundown it is when it was released in the uh, 70s it was actually called the town that dreaded sundown and the tagline was only the names have been changed the entire story is true now granted the story they tell is true they do add uh you know they do add the cinematic stuff to it some stuff that didn't happen you know they because you got to make the movie a little bit more interesting they don't know what the killer looks like they don't know what he was wearing but they gave him a burlap sack over his face in the movie and they had him you know stalking people they don't know if any how this actually took place they're just adding stuff to it but it's actually grown the myth and the legend of the Phantom Slayer and the Phantom Killer and it's actually made him more popular than what he is and actually added a lot to the story that wasn't true that people actually think is true and this is the one aspect where a movie based on a true event added stuff to it to where the people actually believe that the movie was telling the exact portrayal of what happened and all of this was the exact way that it went down when in fact we don't really know. This actually led to another film in the 2000s, again called The Town That Dreaded Sundown, and this was based off the actual movie, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, where the town that, that the movie was shot in was actually ravaged by the killer from The Town That Dreaded Sundown again, because they show the film every year on Halloween. And it's, it's a cool portrayal of the fact that they're taking a lore of the movie that was based off the lore of actual murders, and they're making a film about the murders from the film that they shot about real murders actually happening. And I just said that a lot, and it's really confusing, but if you look at both of the films, they're actually well done, and I enjoy them. The first one is it's more of a lower budget. The second one is kind of a more independent-type film also, but... They're just it, it's a it's an interesting climb into the into what American culture believes and to see what it can do to actually fuel a story and to fuel what we believe a story is and what actually happened in the story when we knew very little about it. They don't know much about who did the real uh, killings. They don't know much about why it happened, but they give you the story in the films, and, and because of that, a lot of people take that as God's truth and take that as, you know, the this is what really happened, and, and uh, it shaped the case, and it shaped uh, the stories in a lot of people's minds. And 
to me, that was an interesting aspect to where I think this is the first film that actually spun that to where you believe more of what happened in the film and they added to the murders and people actually take that as truth and what's really going on. And that's a different aspect here than most of the other ones. Talking about another unsolved mystery that has actually inspired multiple horror films. Um, it's the 1981 Katy, California murders, which some might know as the Cabin 28 murders or just the Katy murders. Uh, a family was staying in Katy, California in a cabin, Cabin 28, when at night they were attacked by unknown figures. Um, reports of multiple ones have been told as they were broken into the mother, um, her son, uh, her son's friend, and her daughters were murdered in in the house, in the cabin. Um, they were tortured over the night and found the next morning by one of her returning daughters coming back from town. They found that the mother and all of them had been murdered. Um, her youngest son and a friend of his were in their bedroom and were unharmed. Nobody knows why they were unharmed. Nobody knows they saw anything. They said they didn't see anything. They said they didn't hear anything. The... It was a national and international story of, you know, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Uh, people blame people in the town nearby. There's people saying that it was the uh, husband of one of his, one of the mother's friends who did it, who had a thing for her. And there's been multiple rumors, but it was never found out what happened. Um, one of the daughters was abducted and was a missing person until 1984 when they found her remains in another part of California in a campground. The story is intriguing. The story is brutal in the aspects of people being stabbed, people being bludgeoned with hammers. And it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a bad, it's a hard story to read. It inspired two films, uh, one that we know for sure was based on it and one that Everybody theorizes based on because there's a lot of similarities that go down. Um, both came out in 2008. One was an independent film. One was a big budget that you're going to know. The independent film was 2008's Cabin 28, which told basically the story. I mean, they you know they Hollywoodized it a bit, you know, with some of the stuff that happened. But it tells you the story of what happened and this family being terrorized by unknown uh, people, masked people in the middle of the night in a rural area. No, no help in sight. We have no way of getting help and. It was actually a really well-done film, and I, I actually enjoyed it. I just recently watched it um, earlier this month, and it caught my attention. It was on uh, Amazon Prime. After reading the description of the movie and realizing it was based on a true event and then reading the story, I watched it. And it does a good job of giving you the suspense and the terror and the we-don't-know-what's-going-on aspect of this horrible tragedy um again in 2008 came a big budget film that a lot of people have speculated based on because of the way it was portrayed and that is 2008 the strangers now the strangers was a it was awesome uh, Liv tyler is the star of it about a couple who is on a retreat into a rural cabin area and they end up getting attacked by a trio of masked murderers through the night they are tortured they're beaten they are just stalked and the film is quiet um it gives you a sense of foreboding it gives you a sense of isolation and with the aspect of we don't know why they're doing this we don't know what the motive are it's just seems like a random event picked randomly by random people it's a truly 
terrifying thing to think that there are people out there that actually do this. There's reasons that things like this happen. We had to, we don't know why they're doing it. We don't know what the reason for it is, but that people just decide to do this. And the Strangers, which spawned a later sequel, um, the original Strangers gives you that in the the aspect of you're alone. You don't know what's going on, and it makes you it puts you in that moment and. If you look at the aspect of, uh, you know, people in a cabin in the middle of the woods, terrified and stalked by people, and we don't know what's going on, we don't know why, um, that is, it has to be based somewhat on Cabin 28 and the um, murders that took place there. That's just, that's that's a speculation. They've never actually said it. They said it was based on true events. They never gave the actual true events, but that is the events is based on loosely. It's not the exact story, um, but it's it's still a, a aspect that you have to bring into it because I feel that it was influenced somewhat by this. Moving on to something that's not as terrible as, you know, real-life murders. Um, going into the paranormal here, um, The Conjuring... And Annabelle. The Conjuring is based on the stories of Ed and Lorraine Warren, the famous uh, demonologist and psychics and paranormal investigators from the 40s on that would go and investigate these paranormal acts. And The Conjuring is the series based on them. Um, their daughter has been on multiple things and has talked about The Conjuring and talked about how their parents actually went through a lot of it. She said a lot of the stuff in The Conjuring didn't happen the way that it particularly happened. You know, they, they Hollywooded it up. She said the scariest thing that she remembers, though, was her mother being in a chair in a group of people and... Her mother was talking, and then at one point, her mother um, just seemed like she fell out and went, you know, went limp, went to sleep, and said the chair she was sitting in with her was picked up and thrown across the room, and she said that was probably the most terrifying thing she's ever seen because her mother was flung and injured just out of nowhere. No one was around. It was just picked up and thrown um, while doing a seance and while chatting about a specific ghost or entity that was... Um, involved in the space they were in. And now Ed and Lorraine have been involved in multiple ones. Um, the Haunting in Connecticut, if you've ever seen that film, the, um, Ed and Lorraine Warren actually went to the real-life um, house in that film and tried to exercise the demon and figure out what is going on. Um, but The Conjuring is based on their work and their dealings with demonic possessions and demonic entities. And then we got Annabelle, and Annabelle is the story of a doll from the 40s that was, you know, made and possessed by a demon and has went on to terrorize people through the years. Um, this is based on a real doll that's that you can go see at the um, Warren Occult Museum in Connecticut where they lived. It's in a glass box. It's in a glass box. It has a Lord's Prayer inscribed on it, and it says, "Warning: Do not open." It's a regular Raggedy Ann doll. It's not a porcelain doll like portrayed in the movies. It's just a normal, everyday, what you would think a Raggedy Ann doll looks like. That's what it is. It's sitting there smiling at you with its stiff smile. To me, it seems creepier that knowing that a doll that anybody could have, a regular old Raggedy Ann doll. We all know what Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy look like. You know, just a regular doll has this much demonic terror to it. It was originally reported that the doll was given um, to a woman named Donna, I believe was the name, and... She was 28, her mother gave her it, and Donna lived with a roommate 
And they were said that, you know, at first everything was fine. And then at one day it just, the dog would move on its own. They would find notes scribbled that said, help me written throughout the apartment on paper that they said they did not have in the apartment. Um, her boyfriend at one point said once she was out at work, was staying at the house and said he heard rustling and thought somebody had broken in when he went to investigate. There's two different stories of this. One was that he found the dog face down and, you know, was there and it wasn't in the room originally. It just appeared in the room. Um, the second one was, was that he was attacked. He was scratched and had claw marks on his chest from the doll that went away in the next few days. Now, there have been multiple stories. Uh, this has been involved, and the Warrens have claimed that there's two near-death experiences. This has been uh, eight attacks, and it has had one accidental death attributed to it over the years of it being there, so much so that, again, it is locked up at the Occult Museum in Connecticut. This is a real-life doll. This is real, a real story. You can go to their museum, and you can see this doll, and they're saying, don't touch, don't talk to it, don't look, you know, you can look at it, don't take pictures of it, whatever. They're, they're just saying that there's truly something evil in this doll, and that they had to keep it locked up, and it's been locked up in there since the 70s, I believe, and it's, it's there, it has not moved, and I don't think it ever will be. It's a story that is terrifying in the fact that we don't know if it's real. I mean, everybody says it's real. Everybody's been affected. We all have that. But to know that this doll, and they believed it so strongly, some people have said that, it, you know, that they're using it and they're just saying it and it's driving people, and that could possibly be. But, you know, there's there's been recorded, real-life recorded uh, historical value given to uh, demonic possessions and things of that sort. We don't know if it's true or not. I've never dealt with it. I hope to God I never have to deal with it, anything like that. But it's a terrifying thing to think of that this is real, that demons are actually out there. They can possess just regular items in your home and can terrorize you. And the doll is creepy in that own aspect. Just looking at it, seeing the smile on its face, knowing that the true evil that it holds inside is, it's a scary, scary thing. The Annabelle movies are, I, the Conjuring movies have been great. Um, I think they're some of the better films that have been done in the last few years. And when it comes to horror and dealing, dealing with the paranormal, Annabelle is just terrifying in her own aspect of this doll. You know, we've seen the dolls with the Chucky dolls and Puppet Master dolls and stuff. This gives a new aspect of this just a, a demon-possessed doll that's not out to try to find a body like Chucky was to try to, you know, make himself a human again or the puppet masters who are protecting somebody. This is a doll that's out to just kill, just to be killed, just to be killing and just to murder. And it's a terrifying thing to think about. And it's based on a true-life doll and true-life people that have inspired these films and the stuff they've seen and the stories that they've told. And, man, it's just, it's crazy to think that stories like this go on to inspire movies and inspire films and stuff like this really happens. I mean... The world can be a scary place. The world can be terrifying at times. It's not all bad, but, I mean, stuff happens. And when you hear about it and it inspires films such as these films I've talked about, and there's countless, there's hundreds if not thousands of other horror movies based on these stories and based on other stories. And, you know, just to know the world we live in isn't all puppies and rainbows at times. And it can be actually, you know, 
terror and blood is it's a scary thing thank you all for listening to me talk about some of these stories um i hope you enjoyed halloween month i enjoy this it's my favorite time of the year i love halloween being able to just use the dress up and again i'm being being missing it is going it's just it sucks but it is what it is Thank you all for your love and support. If you do me a favor, when you listen to this, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to your podcast. Hit the like button, uh, comment, give me a rating. Thank you all for your love. Thank you for your support. Follow me on Twitch at Nerdpool Gaming. Follow me on Twitter at Nerdpool Pod. Follow me on Instagram at Nerdpool Podcast. Thank you all for your love and support. So for all the chimichangas, the tacos, the ghouls and goblins, I hope you have a safe and fun Halloween. And until next time, that's Nerdpool. See ya. I was working in the lab late one night When my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from its slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the monster mash It was a graveyard smash It caught on in a flash